The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. One of the religious parallels to the near-death experience is the path to the afterlife as described in the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Like the NDE, the book describes the journey of the soul and what it may encounter along the way. Our guest today is studying the psychological implications for life in the Tibetan Book of the Dead and is uh, looking at new technology to present it to the world in a deeply meaningful way. Our guest, Susan Griffith-Jones, is speaking to us today from her home in uh, Indian Himalayas. And based on decades of research and study with Tibetan spiritual masters in both Nepal and India, Susan's passion and purpose is to bring the ancient wisdom teachings of the East to a wider modern audience in the English language using different forms of art through varying interfaces. A creative, innovative artist, Susan is gifted in intuiting the meaning of allegories and in understanding both the psychology of the West and the East in a unique combination. She's published six books to date, as well as taken tens of thousands of photos worldwide that she assimilates into large photo collages, uh, art pieces, each comprised of more than 100 photos uh, laid out in mosaic. Susan's articles have been published in numerous newspapers and magazines around the globe, including an exclusive weekly column with the Weekly Tribune newspaper, London, in which she talks about her travels, personal experiences, places she's visited, and her encounters with the people there. Her artistic documentary films displaying the wonderful spiritual epicenters of South Asia may be seen on her website, www.pyramidkey.com. Susan, welcome to NDE Radio. Hi, Lee. I wasn't expecting such a long exposure of uh, who I am and what I do and what I've done. Well, it was uh, quite interesting to actually have to listen to that from somebody else's, uh, through somebody else's voice. <laughs> well, you, you, uh, I guess you'll have to strive not to accomplish so much if you, uh, want to avoid further, uh, further long introductions. I, I should tell I our audience that uh, Susan and I met on the act, the ACE shuttle in, to Sedona, Arizona a couple of months back and got into perhaps the most interesting conversation that bus has ever seen. It included <laughs> pyramids, reincarnation, virtual reality tech, and Tibetan And it was like midnight masters. or something, wasn't it? Because my flight had got delayed into Phoenix and you guys had to wait like an hour for me or something. Yeah, well, that was a... Was it, it was a great chat, and, and I'm really, really happy to uh, extend that conversation now into the radio show, because um, actually something that you mentioned there, you know, doing so much with your life, um, it, it, it's true actually, because uh, you know, time is. Uh, we, we, I don't want to go off at a tangent here. Do stop me if I if I am. <laughs> time, time is something that I believe we and I hesitate to use the word control, but we guide through the way that we experience our own conscious consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I want to lead that into the Tibetan Book of the Dead, because, of course, what we're seeing in the Tibetan Book of the Dead is nothing but uh, consciousness seen through different states of its own uh, uh, own self. Right. And Susan, different aspects. 
different aspects. Before, before we get into the, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, I, I wanted you to tell the audience just briefly how a girl from the UK wound up studying with a great Tibetan master. Well, if I could answer that question, then I would be answering one of the greatest mysteries that any of us could uh, even start to com- contemplate. I mean, just, okay, ending up at the feet of a master or ending up anywhere in any situation is itself like a labyrinth. It's a path to a, an unknown destination. Even though we may have a focal point, like I want to be a lawyer, a doctor, or whatever, whatever, or I want to write, or I want to take photographs, it, it doesn't matter what the what the focus point is. Uh, we are never actually going to be able to describe or even control how we get to that uh, place and time. And even if that focal point isn't necessarily there in the beginning and we don't really know even the path that we're walking towards and what we're going to reach at the end of it, still... It's a complete mystery as to why we turn left instead of right, why we get in that car instead of take the train, why we uh, decide to go to that destination instead of to go there. What provokes us into making those kind of decisions? And I'm not talking about big life-changing yeah. decisions that we, we, we take at sort of crossroads in our lives. Who am I going to marry or blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about do I turn left or right? Simple, right. simple things as, that, that, that we have to answer uh, through the movement of our day. Am I going to drink coffee or tea this morning? <laughs> I mean, well, what were the lefts and the rights that took you to uh, to Tibet? You know, I, I, I honestly speaking can't answer that question, but mm. I know how it began. And that's probably the only thing I have, because with uh, the injection of the right intention, of course, theoretically speaking, it should lead to the result or the intended result. So um, I know that it was something that came from very, very deep within and something that I also had no real rational uh, basis to say what it was. But I had an overriding feeling that if I were to follow my heart, then I would find the very thing that I was looking for. And I did not even know what that thing was. So can you imagine when people were asking me, why are you going out into the world traveling? What are you doing with your life? And da, 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 da. I, I, I was basically always answering the same, uh, the same answer to each of these questions was I'm going to find something that I need to know about. And I don't know what, that is yet, but I know that I will find it. Oh, but how are you going to do that? It's impossible to know whether, you know, these were the kind of questions coming back at me. And then I would say, well, you know, the only thing I actually really, really need to do is to follow my heart. And I know that sounds extremely naive and very, very uh, um, sort of not down to earth or, or, or touching the ground. But and I'm I'm not meaning it from that perspective. I do mean it from a sense that you know, follow my heart means that uh, you know if the signs and 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 the 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 situation is presenting itself in such a way, and the signs are completing that situation, presenting it in some way, then I should go for it, whatever that go for it is. Jump on a bus at London, Victoria, and. Uh, get off at uh, Calais, France, for example, which is what I did. That was my first ticket out of the UK, was mm-hmm. to Calais, just a hop across the channel. And from there, I said, I take each day as it comes. I turn left, I turn right, I do whatever comes in front of me, and I know I will find whatever this thing is that I need to find. Had you and, any, 
had you had any interest in the Book of the Dead before uh, going to uh, studying at the feet of this master? Well, uh, not really, but it was one of the uh, indications that I had on my path that I was going in the right direction. I started writing a lot, um, in fact, writing so much and also the, 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 the things that were coming out in my writing. And I'm talking, this is, I'm talking about now sort of 25 plus years ago. And the sort of things that were coming out in my writing were so different to anything that I'd ever heard of or ever, or had ever studied or learned about or heard about even that I, um, just had to let it come in a way that was not judgmental or even too questioning because had I questioned it at that point it wouldn't have been as flowing as it was and at some point I really really thought I was going mad there was absolutely nobody in my environ who I could discuss what I was what was coming through me was uh, and what I was writing down it just didn't bear any kind of rationality in the world that I lived in and I, I started to really sincerely from the very, very bottom of my heart, call out for a guide. I was like, there's no way that I can traverse this landscape of my mind, whatever's coming through my mind at this moment, through my writing. There's no way I can traverse this landscape without a guide. I mean, I've gone as far as I can go alone. And if I go any further, then I'm in danger of of, of becoming mad because I had no way of rationally being able to hold on to what I was saying as a truth or as a madness. So I think it was that extremely, I mean, this is, you know, this is one of those moments where you pour your entire heart into an intention and into a wish and into a desire. I mean, I know every day we're saying, oh, I wish this, I wish that. But you know that moment that you really say, I I need it with all my heart. My life depends on it. Without this, I'm not going to be able to go any further. It was that kind of intention, that kind of uh, vibration. And um, I think that was probably what um, created the, the, the potential to, 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 to walk on that path towards that particular distant destination. And you, you asked about the Book of the Dead particularly. Around the same time, I picked up a book in an airport, you know, uh, uh, one of these uh, stationaries at an airport. And um, it was a book called The Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. And this, um, actually, I, I discovered later that this was a phenomenal success across the whole world. Uh, one Rinpoche Lama Sugi Rinpoche had written this book in uh, conjunction with uh, some of his very senior students. And um, it was an explanation of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. So it wasn't the Tibetan Book of the Dead per se, which is much more uh, sort of cloaked in its own imagery and language, which you would expect from a from a Tibetan classic. But this was like given a very Western feel to it and also really brought into the, the open this question of death and how we die. And do we die well? I mean, it was talking about Western people. Do we... Uh, do we live our whole lives escaping this question and only when we meet with a disease that's going to end in our death or when we come into contact with somebody we know dying, only then do we start thinking about death? And pretty much the answer to that question was yes. I mean, we're talking about 
you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago now, 80s, 90s. Um, I do think, however, that now the question of death is much, much more open in the Western world than it was in the 80s and 90s. And that has become also much, much easier to talk about spirituality um, and books and classics like the Tibetan Book of the Dead, which are so uh, poignant and so pertinent to our day-to-day living as well as our whole existence. I mean, the yes. Tibetan Book of the Dead is talking about an entire existence of, uh, you know, a, a kind of spiral existence. It, uh, uh, you know, going round and round and round and kind of in a sense of evolving and improving kind of situation, although it, it does mention that we can go backwards as well, so devolve. But the um, um, the bardo, which is described in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, that sort of intermediate state between the two lives on Earth, mm-hmm. is uh, so uh, parallel to the near death experience. The, the, That's right. The, the a momentary vision, that in, momentary enlightenment that people experience when they when they when their soul leaves their bodies briefly, and absolutely. Um, I, and I, I yes, think. I, I think some of those accounts, yeah, some of those uh, NDE accounts have also uh, done a lot to open up people's interest in in death and what happens when we die. Yes, and the fact that we are able to document that now, I mean, and the fact that people are able to come back from the dead because we've got such sophisticated medical equipment and in surgery people do flatline, say, for two minutes, three minutes or whatever, but because of the capacity of the equipment we have, we can bring them back, so to speak, and they've been able to report these incredible, incredible journeys. And I mean, I just wanted to add something to what you were saying there, because you're very right in the sense that the bardo between birth and death is very, death and birth is, 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 is very similar to what the near death experience people have uh, commented on. But I want to be very, very sure that our listeners understand that, uh, and of Probably there are people out there who are familiar with the book as well. But for those who are not so familiar, the bardos are mentioned not just as one particular bardo between the process of dying and the process of being reborn, but each stage of our life and death and in between is itself a bardo uh, period of time. Mm. So now we who are incorporating a human body, we are in the bardo of life. And it's called Bardo of Life. Bardo means, it, it literally means in between two things. So in between two things in the context of life means in between being born and in between dying. So the moment we contact with the, or make contact with the, a disease that's going to end in our demise or an accident that's going to end in us dying, then we enter the Bardo of dying. I mean, they have more technical names. I'm just giving the English English terms of the of the bardos here. So, bardo of yes. dying would mean from that moment that you contact something that's going to end in your demise to the moment you actually die is also a bardo period. It's between two things, and again on into the that, that and that is the period. This bardo of dying is the period that is so very close to the near death experience reports. Because as I understand it, in near-death experience, you won't get much further into the next bardo, which is uh, um, actually the main the main bardo that happens next is the bardo of becoming. And experts on the Tibetan Book of the Dead will know that there are there is another bardo in between that 
called the Bardo of Darmato, which is slightly more complicated and also something that potentially only people who have really practiced and meditate would actually see those kind of visions. So what we're going to do is skip straight from Bardo of Dying into the Bardo of Becoming, which is possibly what most of the people who experience near-death experience um, would see. So from that coming out into the into the light, then the meeting of the relatives and friends who've passed away, that's called the Bardo of Becoming. And again, between two means the moment you enter the Bardo of Becoming and the moment that you are going to take birth or take uh, go enter into the womb of a mother of whichever creature on earth you may be karmically pulled towards. Um, then that ends the period of the Bardo of Becoming. And bang, round comes the circle again. We're back in the Bardo of Life, which is the period between birth and death. And Tibetans consider taking birth as the mo, as starting at conception. You, if you ever hear, um, if you, if, if, if it's a Tibetan's birthday, for example, they're always one or even two years ahead of their actual age because the moment they're born, they're considered one years old. And if their birthday were, for example, um, just one week before the new year of the Tibetans, which happens around every February, then at that new year, you would turn two. So actually, at the age of one week, you could be two years old. That's kind of uh, interesting, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> And um, it's something that I always uh, I always comment on when my husband tells his age and I cut it down by two years because I'm actually <laughs> citing his example exactly that he was born a week before this new year. And therefore, by the time he was one week old, he was actually <laughs> two years old, considered as two years old. So Whereas they, they, we they, in the West. I was going no, to say they, gonna, so they consider their the soul to enter um, the physical body at the moment of conception. That's right. Well, I know I, I know that there are there are other things about that. So I wouldn't want to say for sure at the moment of conception, but certainly by the time you are born, which is they say ten ten lunar months or nine point something months in uh, um, the solar in the solar calendar, then you are considered as one years old. And that may even be pertaining to the lunar calendar, which is, of course, not as long as the solar calendar. So, you know, we have to think of all sorts of variants when we come to talking about Tibetan sense of time versus Western sense of time. Yes. Um, you know, even when, um, um, you know, the moment a, a, a Western child is born, then, uh, you know, a, a 365 days have to go past until he or she becomes one full year old. So we're all, always sort of in arrears, so to speak. <laughs> we get our year after we've done it, not before. We've done it. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's one of the, it's one of the things that uh, we should also be aware about when we're studying the Tibetan Book of the Dead is the uh, aspect of time. It's a very, obviously very key. Well, very one key. of the things about time and the near death experience is that a person can be out of their body for a minute and yet it seems to them like they've been gone for a month so that That's whole right. sense of time on the other side is very That's much right. different than ours 
and not just on the other side. I mean, just think of in a dream. You can hit bed at six in the morning and decide, you know, wake up at five thirty and say, "Hey, I'm going to go back to sleep again." Have a twenty-minute sleep, and in that in, in that dream, you can be gone for goodness knows how long. So all different types of consciousness are experiencing time in a different way. And I come back to my what you know we are, we were originally talking about at, at the beginning of this conversation that uh, you know we 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 stretch time during the day. I notice, and I'm not sure if this is completely true. I couldn't say for sure, but it's what I've noticed about in my own experience is that. The slower I go, the more I accomplish within the same amount of time. And so people always ask me, how do you do so much? And you seem to be like here today, there tomorrow, and the next day somewhere else. And my new motto has become go fast, slow, which if we're put into correct English would be go quickly, slowly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So go, go fast, slow. I just like the slogan better than go quickly, slowly. And now, um, it, it seems to work. In the Bardo, they talk about peaceful and wrathful ones. And I, right. I was wondering if you could um, elaborate on that a little bit and see how do you that, see that in psychological terms? Yeah, sure, sure. This is a big one as well. That is the section that I just cut out according to the near-death experience. Uh, they say, and again, I, I, I don't know the complete truth of this. I only know what I've experienced myself. They say that only, only if you are yourself an experienced practitioner and have uh, purified your vision to a certain or consciousness to a certain extent, would you be able to actually be able to perceive these entities within your um, um, post death conscious state now something happens at the moment of death uh, according to the tibetan book of the dead which is ex which is so incredible and awe-inspiring and um amazing potential to uh in inverted commas jump out of the whole cycle um happens at the moment where the clear light the light reveals itself and as the tibetan book of the dead mentions that is like a child jumping into his mother's lap or her mother's lap. And that for, there's, there's no doubt about it. You know, that the, the, the allegory of the child jumping into the mother's lap, the, is that sense of there being no doubt and that sense of this being this incredible love and bond between, uh, it's like the, 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 this state of mind, this small state of mind that you've, uh, this small state of consciousness that you've just uh, left this, the material world from is now uh, merging back into its, its, its um, whole, whole, holistic uh, being, so to speak. So that idea of son or daughter jumping into mother's lap. But if you are not prepared for that or if you have not um ha had certain signs and visions and meditation experience also already within your um within your lifetime it may be so awe inspiring when that moment comes even psychologically speaking that you may just run away in terror and this is where i'm coming on to answer your question because that terror will make you faint and as you know in in often in sleep we're not aware that we're even sleeping we're kind of just in a in, in a state of, I don't know, it's nothing. It's neither here nor there. 
And we only become aware once we come into a dream. And even in a dream, we don't necessarily become aware that we're in the dream as in a lucid state of dreaming. So this is the point that once we're in the state of faint, uh, this is the period of time that ordinarily these peaceful and wrathful deities would come to greet you. And they'd only come to greet you uh, to push you again, push you on and to remind you of what you're really doing at this moment. It's like, okay, you've missed the clear light stage. You didn't jump into it as if it uh, were your being, which it is. Your, your absolute being, which it is. So now you've come on to, into this next state, this bardo of Dharmata, it's called. And this, these are the nice deities talking. They look very kind of angelic and beautiful and bright and lovely lights and colors. And they have got holding things in their hands, which are all symbols for this and that. And they all have some kind of psychological, uh, uh, you know, psychological parallel as well. Um, and one will come to you and say, hey, 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 just remember, remember, remember who you are. Remember, remember. And if you at that moment have the recognition of this being who's coming in front of you and you remember that they really are this uh, greater sense of who you are, then if you jump into their heart, you can be also liberated in that moment. So it's another, the peaceful deities, and then if the peaceful deities pass and their sweet little remember, remember, remember hasn't worked, then the wrathful deities come with their remember, remember, <laughs> remember, like this much more yes. kind of vociferous and loud and the clashing and of drums and cymbals and, and, and they look terrifying and, and so it's like this way of saying, wake up, wake up, wake up, which is what life does to us as well. And this is again the point. These wrathful and peaceful deities are all around us in our life as we go from A to B. You know, people are, are, are giving us hints and indications. We were talking about this road, this path that we, we walk a, a, upon from here to another a, another place in our life and how do we get there it's it, it's a complete mystery but mm. we have pointers on the way these peaceful and wrathful deities are saying this way just remember come on come on this way this one this one remember 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 the result you know so they're kind of like guides and um they are you they're mirrors obviously mirrors of of, of your own uh, psych psychological state and your own ability to see your inherent nature as well they are wisdom beings they're not angry people with that sense of base sense of anger you know getting anger angry because of an ego egotistical sense this is wrath and pure uh, com this is compassion Wrath has that uh, is is the rough edge of of the or the one ex, one extreme of compassion, um, which is, is is having that such forceful. It's, it's like a mother saying to a child who's playing with the knife, "It's like don't play with that knife." You know, she's not angry; she's just incredibly loving to give this child this knowledge that playing with a knife is dangerous. So, are yeah. the wrathful deities then acting out of love, or are they acting out? Yeah. Of Totally. Out of love for you, out of your love, out of your compassion. This is your mirror, remember. I mean, this is all your own mirror. So this is two extremes of our own duality or the duality of the nature of the world. Which comes around like yin yang. It's it, it's not separate from each other. It's not like the end of two lines. It's like a circle. It, it comes around to the, the other extreme again. Right. Susan. Believe it or not, we have just gone through our half hour, <laughs> but uh, it's but you and I like, have planned that you will come back tomorrow, uh, next next Monday, not tomorrow, but sure, next Monday too, and uh, we'll continue from there. Um, yes, that would be uh, a pleasure. 
In the meantime, please tell our audience how they can find your books and your website. Uh, well, everything of mine is on my website, which is, as Lee mentioned at the beginning of the show, www.pyramidkey.com. That's as in pyramid, like the pyramids in Egypt or Mexico or wherever, and key as in something that you would open a door with. So pyramidkey.com. And, yeah, everything's divided in different sections there, books and films, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks. Thanks. We'll be talking again next Monday. Sure. Uh, if, listeners, if listeners would like to listen to this show again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org and hit the past shows button. And for information about IANS, go to their website at iands.org. And be with us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more discussion with Susan Griffith-Jones on NDE Radio. This is your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.